So, in front of you is your pop quiz. And I'll just remind you, no cheating about, we are at church. Um, <laughs> and as I tell the grandkids, cheaters never win, you know. I mean, it, you know. this is your pop quiz. This is, um, turn that and put back over Terry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling Mike. I was doing Oh my. Okay. So fill out this is the Wellspring Disciplines that you go through each week, um, or each time you're here. And so fill in the blanks. I'll be kind to this group. Gospel is used a lot in the blanks. And you can use a word more than once. And you can use it like maybe four or five times in that. So I've given you a lot of, I've given you a big clip. So start filling out the blanks, and that'll be your pop quiz for today. Is there a word for you? Yeah. No, I don't have a word for you. I don't have, I, hey, I, gospel, go, go with God, Marilyn, turn that back over. Oh, <laughs> Spelling doesn't matter. Oh. Yeah, you need to know how to spell a word. J E S U S. Yeah. <laughs> and and just so you know, it's an ungraded pop quiz. I'll only I'll only call on you if you cheat. Oh, I'm just teasing. All right, well, let's go ahead and now we'll see how you did. And you don't, you don't have to tell unless you want to. <laughs> so, um, the Wellspring purpose is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, it, you can give yourself a happy face if you just put Jesus. That's okay. With the gospel of God. Oh, did I? Is it the word of God? Sorry. I wonder if I use that. If I used an old version. Interesting. We'll let you have one. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Great. I used an old version. Okay. Okay, let's see. I told I like the word gospel ladies. Yeah. Okay. With the word of God so that they live gospel transformed life, thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Discipline one, the heart. She prayerfully shepherds her heart toward God through the word of God and in particular the gospel. Discipline two, the home. She ministers to those in her household with her heart for God and the gospel. Discipline three, ministry. With a heart for God and the gospel and fulfilling her ministry within her household 
she steps into the church to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23 So that is the disciplines. And to, this morning we're going to be spending time on discipline one, the heart. But it, and all of the disciplines, sometimes you can't really slice and dice them. It fits every area. So, but specifically today, I, I think it's mostly heart, um, I don't know, or head, because you talk to yourself, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. So, let's pray, and then we'll um, start, start our lesson. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning grateful for who you are and what you've done in our lives. Lord, I thank you for each lady who is here. I just pray that you will use um, this lesson in their lives, that you will use it to make us more like you. Mm -hmm. Father, I pray um, just that my words would make sense, that there wouldn't be anything that you would not want the ladies to hear. Lord, I, I just pray that this time will be a benefit to all. I thank you for your word, that we may know you, and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, my cough. <coughs> it's funny because I, this morning as we prayed, I prayed because Tom's my husband, and I. there's a few of you that maybe don't even know who I am because um, I think there's a few not quite as familiar faces here. I know most of you. Um, but my husband is Tom Angstead. He's one of the elders, and he's teaching this lesson to the guys. So, but he's, he's got cold, or the end of it, and on the whole way here, he's coughing and gagging, and I'm like, thinking, I said, Tom, what did you do? That's just awful. I, I would be mortified if I was doing that. And then, it's because of that guy, I'm sure, just to keep me humble, and so if I cough and gag, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so, in the... And then to think, this is recorded. So, um, <laughs> this is just par for my life. Um, Here, just in case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, Diana, thank you, but I would probably choke, and that would really be bad. Really bad on the floor. We have a nurse. So, yeah. We have a nurse, yeah. I, yeah, we have a couple of them that could rescue me. So, I, well, anyways, I just. Yeah, I am definitely a person in need of rescue, and I am thankful that the Lord did that. Um, so, when you hear the term, and it's on your handout, you know, this lesson is called this name, Shepherding Your Heart throughout the day. But when you hear the term shepherding your heart, what comes to mind? And sometimes, it can be very focused to, okay, I shepherd my heart at 6 in the morning when my Bible is open, and, you know, I'm, look, I'm like Lori said, in the song book, I'm reading the songs, I'm reading the Word of God, I'm praying, your devotional time. That can sometimes become shorthand for shepherding my heart, and that is a part of shepherding your heart. Um, it's kind of a quiet time, a devotional time, um, 
but it isn't only that. And so we want to look this morning at two different aspects of heart shepherding. And, I mean, we are going to look at, like this big, see the recorder can't see that either, like very small amount um, of what it's like that quiet time when you're sitting there with your Bible open. And, and then the bulk of it, we're going to look at the rest of the time. So why do we read our Bibles? Why, why do we take that time, whenever that is, um, during the day? Why do we do that? We come to the Word of God to meet with the God of the Word. That's why we do it. We come to the Word of God to meet with the God of the Word. And it's to shepherd our heart, which is our inner person, our inner man. I, I know you guys have had that lesson about the heart, but it's not just a piece of you. It's you. It's your heart. It's who you are. So why do we come before the Lord with our Bibles open? Why, why do we do that? Well, John 17, 3 tells us, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How, how, how do we know the God of the Word? By being in His Word. So we want to grow in our knowledge of God, we want to grow in expressing our love for God, our enjoyment and delight in God, our fear and reverence of God. We grow in our understanding for our need for God, our relationship with God. That is grown by that time we spend in His Word getting to know Him. We want to grow in holiness. And I believe that the time we spend with the Lord during that time, that lays the foundation for the rest of the day, for the rest of the time. And ladies, we, we know there are lots and lots of different methods of how you spend time with the Lord. It looks as individual as we are. Um, we probably have multiple different reading plans that, that we're on. Um, and and so the, that's a method, but the principle is that we're spending time with the Lord in His Word, getting to know Him. And so that's why we do that. That's why we spend time with the Lord. But what I, I really want to spend my time with today is the rest of the time. Um, while we're shopping, while we're cleaning, while we're taking care of kids, while we're cooking, while we're doing laundry, while we're, you know, at work, whatever the case may be, where you spend the bulk of your time. And I came across this um, from Paul Tripp, and I think it's it's so helpful. Um, so I'm just going to read from from him. And this is entitled, You Talk to Yourself. No one is more influential in your life than you are. Because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. People laugh at this statement, but I'm really quite serious. You're in an unending, incredibly important conversation with your soul every moment of every day. 
You interpret, organize, and analyze what's going on inside and outside of you. You talk to yourself about the past, you talk to yourself about the future, and you talk to yourself about what you're experiencing in the present. Obviously, this is an internal conversation. <laughs> if you had this conversation aloud, they would probably put you into a ward. I'd be the first one signed up. I know that, okay? Uh, okay, but that's why it's so dangerous. You often don't even realize that you're saying things to yourself, but you are. You're saying things to you that will shape your desires, actions, and theology. What are you saying to you about God and your circumstances? Do your words stimulate faith, hope, and courage? Or does your talk stimulate doubt, discouragement, and fear? Do you remind yourself that God is near? Or do you reason within yourself that given your circumstances, he must be distant? Here's the question. How wholesome, faith-driven, and Christ-centered is the conversation that you have with yourself every day? Do you remind yourself of your need? Do you point yourself once again to the beauty and practicality of God's grace? Do you tell yourself to run toward him in those moments when you feel like running from him? No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. What will you say to you today? And one of his reflection questions is, would you be comfortable with someone listening to a recording of your internal conversation? Well, because we talk to ourselves so much, that's what we're going to be looking at today. So I want to mention something, and it's funny because Lori and I, I'm bringing the same thing she brought, so you can see them again. In your prayer book, you have this. And who's been in Wellspring before that's had the circle lesson? Raise your hand. Okay, a few, quite a few of you. Okay, well, the circle lesson, okay. This lesson was a lesson that was developed between my husband and Scott Maxwell. They were, I believe, sitting at lunch drew this diagram and talked to, and they were just talking about this and this, the two circles. Well, when I was asked to teach this year, I was asked to teach the circle lesson. I said, sure, I'll do it. Well, the circles now have become the spiral. <laughs> so the spiral that you have it's now going to be, I don't, well, it'll be funny to see if it ends up becoming the spiral lesson or if it will always be the circle lesson. And I want you to know when I came up with this, I, I did talk to my husband and I did talk to Scott and say, the circles are a spiral. Are you guys okay with this? I mean, I, I don't want to mess with something. But I did and I got permission and the guys are... The guys are using 
the beautiful spirals too. And aren't they much more colorful and beautiful? <laughs> and what I even love more is is the one that you want. It's my favorite colors. If you've been in my house, you'll see these colors. You won't see these. They match your skirt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they match. That's right. I didn't even do that on purpose. I have to remember that. So, anyway, in the prayer book, if this hadn't happened yet when that got printed, it's the same gist. I mean, the bulk of it's the same. It's the diagram is the difference. So I just want you to know that. Um, so we'll see what's in next year's book. It may be the spirals or maybe with the spirals. I hope not because I like them. Um, so we want to first, we're going to look at shepherding my heart throughout the day and what it looks like wrong thinking versus right thinking. And so we're going to first look at wrong thinking. And that is the orange diagram. So you may want to have that out to kind of refer to. And what happens is when we're listening to ourselves rather than speaking truth to ourselves, mm -hmm. it can start with a desire. So I want to start with what, what is a desire? A definition of a desire is to want something. It's to long or hope for. Desires are not necessarily evil. One way to tell if I want is if I want something more than I want God or I'm willing to disobey God to get it. If that's the case, it's evil. And then there are some things that we just know are evil, sinful desires. It is always sinful to die desire something that God forbids. So for example, for me to desire to be drunk is sinful. For me to desire somebody's husband other than my own or a man other than my husband is sinful. Okay? Stealing. To desire something to steal something, that's sinful. Always, always, always. Something that is clearly sinful needs to be immediately repented of. Don't even play around with it, okay? And I want that up front. And so I also want, I'm, I'm a big reminder, okay? You'll see that as, as we go in the lesson. Two Sundays ago, Josh taught the message from James 1.13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message again. It, it was an excellent message on temptation and, and what to do. Um, and so I just I want to encourage you. Just, we've got so many good resources. We are so fortunate. And sometimes I don't even think we realize it. So I just, that lesson, when I heard it, I was going to be, that was on Sunday. I heard it on Thursday, or I heard it Sunday, was teaching on Thursday. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, this ties right in with my lesson. So we're a little bit farther out from it now. But I just want to encourage you that that lesson on Temptation is extremely 
helpful. And I wanted also to give you, um, from this comes from the Tyndall Bible Dictionary, it says, evil desire, therefore, is not necessarily a desire for something that one might label as wicked. Okay, so we know there's the wicked desires, like I mentioned, like stealing and drunkenness and you know, adultery. Those clearly, clearly, clearly. But it can be even something good is not a good desire. So what the Tyndall Dictionary says, it is essentially the desire to have one's own way. As such, it is idolatry, putting self in place of God. How does one distinguish between good desire and bad desire? And I, I think that's a helpful question for us to ask ourselves. Is this a good desire or a bad desire? Ultimately, there is one basic issue. Is a person's desire self-centered or a desire for God's will? The Bible teaches that the essence of sin is a determination to have one's own way. And so where I think we sometimes need to be especially careful is those <coughs> neutral things. So for instance, I may want a bigger house or a new car to have children, to have grandchildren, to be married, to be respected, to be treated kindly. None of those things in and of themselves are sinful. But it's those good things can quickly become sinful when I want them at, at all cost. So oftentimes we get in trouble because it starts with that desire. So you see the little formula up top, I desire. Plus, I deserve. So now... I'm thinking, I deserve this. <coughs> I've taught at Wellspring. I serve in next generation. I do this. I'm mostly kind to people. I'm wonderful. God, look at what I've done for you. So I deserve that. Fill in the blank, okay? And so now my desire plus my what I think I deserve. I deserve good things because I'm so wonderful. Now it becomes a demand. And all I can say about a demand of God is, really? How foolish is that? But we do it, okay? I do it. So now I'm not getting what I desire, and I think I know what I deserve, and now I'm demanding, and it leads to this spiral of disappointment, discouragement, and despairing. And it is a downward spiral. I think that ultimately leads to death. Um, it may be not like dead on the floor. We need to, you know. But it can be spiritual death. It's, it's, it, we can so easily harden our hearts and we need to be so careful. And we start with that thing we want, and we start closing our little hand around what I deserve it, and now I'm demanding, and before long, I'm shaking my fist at God. And say, God, and I mean, I, I'm almost like, don't want to say things like this, because it just is so, 
but it's God, give it to me, or, you know, or I'm not going to serve you, I'm not going to love you, and, and we're shaking our fist at God, and we can get there pretty quickly. So if you look on the diagram, you'll see attitudes and actions. And I think we can use this almost like a diagnostic tool to see, oh, okay, I'm going to take another little test here. How are my attitudes in this? Am I being prideful and arrogant? And on here, we've got the scripture verses um, that are some are examples of prideful arrogance um, and, and the different things you'll see. And so I'm going to go through a few of them, but not all of them. And you can go back. Um, if you're in the midst of a thing, I, I encourage you, if you're struggling, pull this out and see how you're doing. It can be helpful. This may be something you want to keep in your Bible. If you're meeting with a friend and you're hearing some of these things, you may want to pull this out and walk through it with her. Um, so some attitudes you might see, some of these negative symptoms of being prideful and arrogant. Um, Proverbs 28, 25 says, An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will prosper. So if you're seeing a lot of strife around you, you may need to check up on yourself. Are you arrogant? It's being wise in our own estimation. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Romans 12, 16 tells us, do not be wise in your own estimation. And a great example, if you want to go back and read and see somebody that was wise in their own estimation and what happened to them is King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4. We know he ended up out in the, I don't know, I always picture him just outside of the, I always picture like a fancy castle thing in my mind with green grass and him eating, you know, like a cow with the long fingernails and the long hair. I don't know. That's my picture in my mind of it. Um, and he was up on the roof, and this was what he said, and that's what happened to him. He said, the king reflected, so obviously he, I think he was thinking, and said, is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? And like I said, he ended up out eating grass like a cow. That's the spiral down, and I'm sure he was despairing for seven years as he was living like a cow. Um, without peace, if... <coughs> If there's a lot of turmoil and you're without peace, it may be this. Um, bitter. We know bitterness is, is just painful. Um, Romans 3.14 says, Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And one of the things you will notice as we go through some of these isn't it funny how sin typically comes in like big bulky groups of stickiness? 
Um, like Second Timothy 3, 4, on lovers of pleasure and comfort. I'm loving my pleasure and comfort. That's an attitude that... But it's treacherous. Here's Second Timothy 3, 4. Treach, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So you see, when I'm loving pleasure rather than God, typically treacherousness, recklessness, conceit, they all... Sin doesn't come... All, oh, I'm just a this person. It usually has a plethora of things going on. Mm-hmm. Anger. If you're angry, your attitude is just angry, check up on yourself. If you're anxious and fearful, remember you can't add a single hour to your life by worry and being anxious and fearful. Being ungrateful. And 2 Timothy 3.2, that's another one of those lists of just awful sins that we can see. Um, being envious and jealous. Um, being hopeless. And, and I just want to encourage you, if you're seeing these attitudes in yourself, check up on yourself. Go back and when we get to the blue diagram, I think there will be some help how to, how to get out of this, to get out of the pit. Um, the actions that we might see are if you're being demanding. Um, being demanding of God, which just, as I say that, obviously, you know, God is sovereign. And to be demanding of Him As I say it, it's just foolishness, but I know there are times that we can do that. And an example was in Luke 11, 16. Others, to test him, they were testing Jesus, were demanding of him a sign from heaven. Sometimes we can, God, if you're real, you will do this. Being a lover of yourself. And I could do a whole lesson on we're not to be lovers of ourselves. You know, we already love ourselves enough. And unfortunately, we have for the last, I would say, 30-ish years, we've been told, you've got to love yourself before you can love anybody else. Well, that is a lie from the pit of hell. And, <laughs> sorry, it is. Because God's Word tells us What's going to be the last days for men will be lovers of self? So why are we going to tell people you need to love yourself first before you can love somebody else? That is not what God's Word says. It talks about the last days. That that is the first thing. Men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and the most terrifying part, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. It is denying God's power to say, you need to love yourself first. Before you can love somebody else. Okay, so that's enough of that sermon. <laughs> but, okay, it's not quite enough. 
<laughs> Good thing you guys are friends. Um, we have lived in that culture, and it's it is pervasive. With it's it's everywhere. I mean, I I call it the Mister Rogers generation, where mm -hmm. we just all we need to fight against that. I I. Scripture already tells us we do love ourselves. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That doesn't mean what it means is just the same way you take care of yourself, take care of your neighbor. Okay. Boasting. That's just another thing. If you find yourself boasting, don't that's another sign that you need to check up on yourself. Grumbling. And there are a bucket load of examples of grumbling in Scripture. Um, I'm going to read Jude 16. These are grumblers, finding fault, falling after their own lust. They speak arrogantly, flattering people for the sake of gaining an advantage. Grumbling and complaining is a problem. And sometimes when we don't get what we think we desire, what we deserve, and it's become a demand, we find ourselves grumbling and complaining. If only God did fill in the blank, gave me children, gave me a husband, gave me a house, gave me this, did what, whatever, um, we can find ourselves grumbling and complaining. We can find ourselves biting and devouring. We can find ourselves disputing and just arguing and fighting. We don't want to be a disputer. We can find ourselves criticizing and judging. And scripture tells us, why do you look at that speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? We do that. We can find ourselves being prayerless, not asking God. And, and we see lots of examples of that in scripture. James 4.2 says, You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. We can find ourselves withdrawing. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. We need each other. And so often in these spirals of sin, withdrawing from other believers, is, it is a huge symptom. If you find yourself all, all of a sudden, eh, I'm not going to Wellspring anymore, I'm not going to small group, eh, Sunday mornings doesn't work for me. You're putting yourself in a dangerous, dangerous spot. And so that is something... I just want to remind you, if you see somebody withdrawing, you want to talk to them. You know, there, there are times that that happens, but, but watch for it. We are our sister's keepers. We are called to help. So that is, that is definitely a symptom to watch out for. 
returning evil for good is another one um, that that we can see. So yes, Dana. I just uh, the attitude when I'm hopeless. I thought that was interesting. I haven't thought about that before, but so in essence, is discouragement sin? Is that a sinful attitude to be discouraged? Because um, you're not keeping your eyes focused on... It can be. It can be. Huh. Um, you know, there there are... Where emotions in and of themselves are not sinful, but it's what we do with them. If I become so discouraged that I no longer get myself up out of bed, I no longer do what God has called me to do because... I'm so discouraged. Then it becomes sinful. Sarah? And I think another way that this chart is helpful is with things like that, <clears throat> and or any of these, is to let them be pointers back to examining ourselves. Is there a desire at the root of this that I've started thinking about as something I deserve? Like I'm really discouraged about um, you know, how things are going in my family. Have I, you know, and, and it, is it right to want... Um, obedient children. Yes, that's a good desire. But now I'm really discouraged about it. I need to stop and think, what have I done with that desire? Have I now somehow think that God's cheating me because my children aren't obedient, that, that I'm not getting this good thing I desire, Lord? Why would you not give me this good thing I desire? What, am I not good enough? I, you know, and we kind of turn it into this really unbiblical thinking about God and what we're entitled to. So taking that discouragement and letting that show us where our thinking is not really trusting God's goodness and trusting his sovereignty. Um, so it can be, I think it can be a symptom that can point us to unbiblical thinking. Is that? Yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so often with, we may see sinful attitudes in ourselves or even sinful actions. What we need to do when we see them, I think it is good to diagnose where is this coming from, but we want to repent. We don't want to say, well, I didn't get what I want, so now I can live in this. And so that's where, you know, discouragement in and of itself, you know, it, it, it can be diagnostic, but sometimes, you know, but it's, okay, what do I do with that? Am I going to just stay here, or am I going to repent? Um, and, you know, I, I know there's discouraging things and hard things that happen in life. But God is sovereign. Jim? I, oh, here's, a, here's a book that I have been reading, and I actually gave a copy to Josh and to, um, and to um, Jeanette Smith. And it's called um, Enemies of the Heart by Samuel. And all the things that you're covering are addressed in this book. They're called, um, you know, like greed and anger and jealousy and um, guilt. And they talk about what you're saying. And then they talk about how you can change that yeah. way of thinking. It's a yeah. wonderful book. Yeah. And that, that's I, where we're going. <laughs> I'd also yeah. like to give a plug for last week's sermon. Um, that John Duby mm. gave because discouragement has the word courage in it, right? So you don't have courage, and we are commanded to have mm -hmm. courage. And 
um, John talks about how God is the one who fights our battles for us. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a really great one if you yeah. didn't hear it. Yeah. yeah, we have so many resources again. Um, so thank you for that. Um, okay, so now we get to look at the pretty one. Which, if you like these colors, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and if these aren't your favorite colors, I'm sorry too. But they're my favorites. And I didn't intentionally do that, but it worked out, and I was so glad it worked out that way. Um, so, now I want to look at, so, the formula, and again, this is a spiral and up, up out of the, out of the, out of the pit, okay? So, what I desire, whatever that desire is, I hold my desire with an open hand before the Lord, seeking His will. And remember, if it's a sinful desire, just knock it out of your hand and repent, okay? Um, we need to make a request known to God. If we ask Him according to His will, He hears us. 1 John 5.14 So I want to look at what do we deserve? So I desire, here's the desire, it's, it's neutral. It's not, it's not sinful because those we're not even going to mess with. Um, but it's the desire I have. So now, what do I deserve? What does scripture say that we deserve? What, what did we in our own loveliness earn for ourselves? Well, Romans 2, 5 through 6 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. What we deserve, truly, is wrath. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We deserve death. And just a reminder, for us as believers, the worst day, our very worst, most awful day on earth, is better than we deserve, and it's as bad as it's going to get. And the flip side, for the non-believer, their worst day on earth is the best they're ever going to have. So have a biblical understanding of what we truly deserve will help us think rightly. And I want to share a quote from a book that I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, it's on the bookshelf. It's The Greener Grass Conspiracy. Mm -hmm. And he says, do you see how the gospel should obliterate complaining? And you'll understand the tie in a minute. Complaining is almost always rooted in a faulty sense of rights and privileges. Each of us has a lengthy list of things that we think we deserve. When life starts to short circuit and we don't get what we deserve, we start complaining. We imagine ourselves as the injured party who has every right to complain. But the gospel makes it very clear that the only thing we truly deserve is hell. God created us 
and therefore he owns us. As created, dependent beings, we owe him complete, unwavering allegiance and obedience. So the gospel helps us to understand what what I truly remember the gospel, what I truly deserve is death and God's wrath that saved me. Praise God. Oh, you wouldn't ask me because I can't pronounce his name. Stephen Altrogge, or Altrog, A-L-T-R-O-G-G-E. Yeah, I'm not sure how, how you pronounce it. Um, so we make our requests known to God with an open hand, understanding that what we deserve is wrath and death, and we make no demands. And... What kind of attitudes are we going to see when we are, when we have that desire and we understand and we're not making a demand? We're going to see that we're going to be submissive. We're going to be content. Like Paul, we can say, therefore I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I, I'm going to share this because I like it, and I, I think it's helpful when we think about contentment. Godly contentment has to be more than being thankful you're better off than someone else. True contentment comes by comparing what we have to what our sins deserve. That means we find our contentment in the gospel. And that's from Dave Harvey. Harvey. Um, We'll see an attitude, we won't be seeking our own way. We won't be wise in our own estimation. We'll be humble. We'll be peaceable and peaceful as we're going through things. Those are the attitudes we're going to see. We'll be joyful, self-controlled. We need endurance. We can ask for that from God. We need strength, but we'll be trusting Him. We will trust in the Lord with all our heart and not lean on our own understanding. Our actions, I'll be making a request of God. I'm not going to be shaking my fist at Him. I'm going to let my request be known to God. I'll be patient as I'm waiting. Maybe I'm waiting for that desire for a long, long time. I'll be thankful for what God has given me. I'll be forgiving others that may be sinning against me in the midst of me wanting my desire. I'll be gentle and kind and loving. And don't forget that love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous, it does not act unbecomingly and a whole list of other things. Uh-oh. I don't know if I'm whacking... I don't know if I'm whacking somebody around <laughs> through God's Word, the Bible. Um, overcoming evil with good. I'll be devoted to prayer. I won't be vengeful. As we shepherd our hearts throughout the day, we'll be walking in obedience being thankful, not grumbling or complaining. We'll believe that God is good. We'll trust his sovereignty. 
And remember, if we love him, we'll obey his commandments, and our request will be obedient, we're hopeful, and we can trust Romans 8.28. We believe that he will work all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Okay, so we've looked at the spirals and we've looked at the attitudes and actions when we're shepherding our heart throughout the day with God's word. But I want to now just spend some time practically speaking how do we shepherd our heart throughout the day? What, what does that look like? And our goal is not to just put on right thinking for right thinking's sake, but it's to glorify God in everything we do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And I want to look at and just give you a reminder. It sometimes is helpful to ask yourself, how are you doing physically? Have you had enough sleep? Are you getting exercise? Are you eating well? Um, sometimes we think this, the physical body, doesn't have any impact on our spiritual well-being. And I'm not making an excuse, but sometimes making minor adjustments with our physical body helps our soul. I know for me, if I have a migraine headache, it's harder for me to obey God. Now, I know I'm called to do it. And I know God will give me the grace to obey him in the midst of, you know, seeing lights and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it helps me sometimes understand me. And it sometimes help me, helps me understand those people that I'm closest to. If I know Tom has not had enough sleep, and maybe he, well, he doesn't do this, but we'll just pretend that he does. And he snaps at me. And I know he's like running on empty. It's been a long day, not enough sleep. I can overlook that because I realize ah, that doesn't happen too often. We need to be kind to each other. The grace that we give ourselves, like, ah, oh, I've got a slamming headache, so that's fine. Do that for for those people that you bump up against. Um, and then the second question, just regarding kind of your physical body and stuff, and our, now our mind, is what are you filling your mind with? What kind of music, what kind of TV, movies, books, magazines, internet? So, for example, if I am a person who struggles with not being content with my house. HGTV. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, HGTV <laughs> is a no-no. Going through model homes is probably not really helpful. Pinterest can be dangerous. Now, 
I have a Pinterest account, okay? So I'm not just saying flat out, no, 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 no. But be mindful. Be helpful to yourself. If, if you're struggling with something, why are you going? I mean, it's kind of like if you're a drunk, don't go to a bar. How foolish is that? So be wise. So I just want to kind of, those are just two extremely practical things. Um, you know, sometimes getting a little more exercise can help you. Sometimes turning off HGTV can help you. That may not necessarily be getting to the heart of the matter, but, you know, God's Word talks about we run the race. I'm not going to run my race in high heels, okay? That just doesn't make sense. So why, as we run this race, are we going to put those things that just make it harder, okay? So how do we shepherd our heart throughout the day? What's that going to look like? First thing to do is pray, obviously. Ask for God's help. Psalm 139 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Ask God to help you. Search your heart. And he will do that. The next thing, and some of these are, you're going to go, well, yeah, like, of course. But they're reminders, okay? So Bible reading, scripture memory, and meditation. Not like emptying your mind, but thinking about the same scripture over and over and over. Meditating on God's word. The promises of God renewing your mind. Thinking on truth. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good repute, if there is anything, if, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Think on truth. So part of your homework last week was write out your go-to passages. So I would like a couple people to share when you're in the midst of something. What is a go-to passage for you? And Lori's going to share first. Okay. Um, a go-to passage for me is Proverbs 27.20. And um, it says, Sheol and Abaddon, or hell and death, um, are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. And that helps me understand myself because it helps me know you know what, if I get that thing that I really desire, two days later, I'm going to want something else. And then two days later, I'm going to want something else. And I'm just never, it, that stuff is never going to satisfy me. That's uh, Proverbs 27:20. Okay, who else has a go-to verse? Megan. One of my go-to verses is Ephesians um, 4:32. Be kind to one another, forgiving others, which is God is forgiving. And you know, that's really helpful for me to help me to not become resentful or angry towards another person who I feel 
is causing me trouble. Yeah. And so it's just a good reminder that I need to forgive them regardless of how they act towards me. Absolutely. Thank you, Megan. Anybody else? Maybe, or Carla? <laughs> um, I'll talk to you for two different situations. Like day to day, when I'm by myself, that I'm not. So to some God's word, I go really any section of, of Psalm 119, mm-hmm. just because it's a constant reminder of loving, loving God's word and loving His law and loving, um, loving His word and how that affects your life. Like especially um, 9 through 11, where it talks about how how you can keep your heart pure and how you know I read your word because I love it. Mm-hmm. And, and then it keeps me from sin. And then um, times when I'm just overwhelmed with life, I'll go to Psalm 107 because I'm reminded of how God is a rescuer mm-hmm. of overwhelming situations. And it just goes through a, three different scenarios of how He rescues people. And yeah. So it reminds me that God is my rescuer in times of trouble. Jim? I have, um, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but Romans 6, uh, 12, 6, and it talks about the gifts that God gives you, mm-hmm. and it really made me, because I had felt guilty about taking time away from my children as they were growing up to become a teacher to help special ed kids and special and you know, kids that need like high risk and that type of thing, but I felt really called to do this. And so when I read this, it said that God gives you certain gifts and you're supposed to use those gifts. And so it helped ease my guilt because Hmm. I felt like maybe this was something that God really wanted me to do. Hmm. So I thought that was a good one. And then the other one, of course, was 1217 in Romans about let God do the angry. Yeah. You know, not you. Yeah. Yeah. Lisa? I really love the verses that remind me of God's presence day to day, and I love the Isaiah 41, 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes you by the right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. So there's times I just have to constantly remind myself that the Lord is in our midst, and I, I just feel comforted, comforted by Isaiah verses and filled with that. Thank you. Um, again, from the Greener Grass Conspiracy. He says, the promises of God are our weapons in the battle against discontentment and wrong thinking. For every temptation to be discontent or think wrongly, there's a promise of God that meets that temptation. The abundant grace of God promised in the scriptures far exceeds any circumstance we encounter. But if we're, and I, I just love this. But if we're going to fight discontentment effectively, we need to stockpile our weapons. When temptation strikes, we need to have go-to promises to sustain and strengthen us. There should be pages in our Bible that are tattered and torn from constant use. And here's just a few promises from God. God will never leave or forsake us. That's Matthew 28, 20. God is always at work, Romans 8, 28. God is with you and give and can give you all things, Romans 8, 31 through 32. God is loving. His steadfast love endures forever, Psalm 136. God protects us from overwhelming temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God will always love you. Another place in Scripture is Ephesians 6, 
the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. And I also just want to remind you, we have God's word, but God's word does tell us in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. We need to do what God's word says. Another thing that is helpful as you're um, renewing your mind, as, as you're putting on right thinking, as you're working your way up out of sometimes the pit of not getting what you want, of not getting that desire, is to study the attributes of God. Um, and your homework this week, you are going to have a um, section called Looking Deeper, and it's the attributes of God. And what you'll do is you'll go through Psalm 145 and just write out the attributes and characteristics of God. That... Just doing that exercise strengthens you and bolsters you. So that's, that's just another practical thing you can do. Spend time studying the heroes of the faith. And just a few I'm going to mention from Scripture. Joseph, Job, Paul, Jesus. Um, read Hebrews 11 and 12. If you're discouraged, if you read those those two chapters, it's an encouragement. First Peter is another go-to book. If you're feeling discouraged, read First Peter. Another thing you can do is remember your identity in Christ. And if you've forgotten your identity in Christ, you can go to the August 31st 2014 sermon that Smed did, and it was, um, well, just go to that sermon, and then I would encourage you, print off the lesson notes from it, here's your identity in Christ, and if you remember, I mean, I remember as he read through these, and it's, um, I think it's like six or seven pages, he read through all of these. We're slaves of righteousness. We're slaves of God. We're uncondemnable. Uncondemnable. Sons of God. Adopted. Heirs of God. Um, we're foreknown. We're God's elect. We're in, interceded for by Christ. And if you remember, as Smed read through these, at the end, it's like, I think we clapped. <laughs> if, if we didn't, I know I was cheering inside. Would you repeat the date? Yes, August 31st, 2014. And and you can, um, August 31st, 2014. So it was a year ago. Um, over a year ago now. But this is something, keep it in your Bible. If you're struggling and you're feeling, you know, sometimes we talk to ourselves and can feel pretty unworthy. <coughs> or listen to ourselves rather. Um, but when we go through this, I'm loved and chosen by God. I'm destined for salvation. I'm set apart by the Spirit. I'm saved by God's mercy. You read this, and you will want to cheer. 
and you will want to praise God for what he has done, especially when you know who you were before Christ. Um, another helpful tool, see I'm just like Lori, <laughs> is this transformation of, of God chart that you guys got. Um, just looking at the regeneration event benefits, we're loved by God. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, indwelt by Christ. I'm a member of Christ's body. We're members of one another. I have confident access to God. I'm safe from God's wrath. I can go to this. I can see who I am in Christ. I'm being made righteous. There's something so, you know, it's thank you, God for who you've made me. And I can go back and I can remember, oh yeah, I was in this unmixed condition. I was unable not to sin. I was unable to please God. And I became a believer as, adult, as an adult, so I pretty clearly remember that. I was dominated by and enslaved to sin. And now I'm living here, and someday I'm going to be living on this page in heaven with Christ. Praise God. These, this, we can stand on the promises of God. I mean, and we forget. So I want to remind you of that. Another thing. See, this is great. The sign book. Singing and worship are those are things, there are times, I think, where life has hit us pretty hard in the head, and sometimes all that can come to mind is, Jesus loves me, this I know, or the Bible tells me so. I can't even get past that. We have this. You know, open any one of these. I open it, come down, bound, come down, bound of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. You know, and I, I, I love, I mean, I love this. So if you're going to hear it. The other two that I love, and you can tell some. This one, at my funeral, please. <laughs> I have there are times I'll go up to Josh after worship and go, Josh, that that could be my funeral service. That could be my <laughs> memorial service. Just play that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but I, I I I tell my kids, I tell Tom, oh I love this song playing. I'm like, you play it when I die. Change yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. But listen to this. When when you're struggling, hitherto thy love has blessed me. Thou hast brought me to this place. And I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He who rescued me from danger bought me with his precious Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. When I'm feeling that, I'm prone to wander. My 
this mind is prone to wander. I mean, it is a terrifying thought to think if you guys could see the video today. <laughs> terrifying, okay? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave, Lord, God, I love. Here is my heart. Oh, take it and seal it for the courts above. We have a treasure right here. And, and seriously, I know there are times where really all the song can just minister to us. Another thing I want to mention, it's called Spotify. And if I can do Spotify, you can do Spotify. It is Spotify. Well, I'm actually going to um, send a link about that. Oh, Monday good. Okay. To everyone. And what Spotify is, Josh has done it, is Grace Bible Church's worship song. And you can put it on your phone. And then you plug it in your car, and you hit the right button, and out comes worship music of the songs that we sing. Mm -hmm. Is it Josh singing them? No. No, no. no, it's not. It's not. But it's... The original. Yeah, it's, it's... Yeah. And it's just another way of shepherding your heart when you're in the car for, you know... And I know some people spend a lot of time in their cars. Um... So that is, is something. Um, Colossians 3.16 tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, with thanksgiving in your heart to God. When we're singing those songs, it is, it's, I love it. So I just want to encourage you, if you're struggling, that is a way to... To just shepherd your heart. Another thing we need to do is keep other believers at close range. Fellowship. And that's one of the reasons why being in a small group is so important at GBC. Is we believe that having believers is important. Another thing we can do is serve others. First Peter 4.10 says, If each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Sometimes we're, when we're in the midst of, of difficulty, serving others is one of the best things we can do. Make a Thanksgiving list. Make a list of what you're thankful for. First Thessalonians 5 tells us, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You can thank God. I would encourage you, make a list. Another thing, keep eternity in view. Therefore, if, and this is Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. I'm going to quote one more time from this book. I think you can tell I liked it. Um, he says, through Christ who strengthens us, we can be content in our loneliness and disjointed relationships. But our longings for relationships should also remind us that this world is not our final resting place. 
In Christ, we can be truly content while on this earth, but will never be fully satisfied. The day of total, complete, and ultimate satisfaction is still coming. The day we see, see Jesus Christ face to face and look into the eyes of our Savior will say, Now I am truly satisfied. And the last thing is do the next right thing. If you're in an extremely difficult situation and you are shepherding your heart and being open-handed and understanding what you truly deserve and you're being hopeful and it's still hard, I just want to encourage you, do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. Whatever we're doing, remember, whether we eat or drink, whatever we're doing, we want to do it all to the glory of God. And if we love the Lord, we'll keep his commandments. In the midst of difficulties, sometimes it's difficult to do the next right thing, but I want to encourage you to do that. And sometimes it's minute by minute by minute. Now, when things are going well, we need to shepherd our heart then too. And we need to be thankful for that period of time where things are, quote, going well. I mean, ultimately, all is well. It is well with my soul. When those waves are crashing over me, as a believer, it is well with my soul. But when, when our boat isn't being rocked quite as much, this is a time we want to spend time knowing God deeper and deeper, better and better, so that when those storms come, and they will, we are better prepared. And I'm going to give an example from Kim Maxwell, and I got her permission to share this. Um, who was in the Arizona earthquake? <laughs> yeah, we all lived, we lived through the Arizona earthquake, okay? Now, mind you, yes, yes, that was November 2nd, 2015. We lived through the Arizona earthquake. Well, there are some people who lived through the Arizona earthquake who actually lived through the Northridge earthquake. Scott and Kim were like half a mile from it. I mean, the building next to them, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, see, you guys, you guys, and, it, and isn't it funny they don't call them the California Earthquake? They call it the Northridge, the San Francisco, you know, okay, but we have an Arizona Earthquake. <laughs> God, anyways, so we, we were serving together, and we were talking about the Earthquake. Being Kim lived through the Northridge big shaker where, you know, people, I think people did die in that. Um, when they, when she felt that earthquake on November 2nd at 11.30 at night, she needed to shepherd her heart. Mm -hmm. And she shepherded her heart with Isaiah 54.10. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will not be removed from you and my covenant of peace will not be shaken says the Lord who has compassion on you. Kim has an earthquake verse. Mm -hmm. Ladies, you need to have God's word right there in your arsenal, that protection. 
so that when 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 the sea billows roll, and they will, when when you're, I mean, and and I've been there. I can remember times in my life and and just being like this, you know, looking straight ahead. I didn't look left. I didn't look right. Kept my head down and kept going. God is faithful. You know, Psalm 23. He has walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Mine hasn't been, I know some people have gone through way, 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 way bigger trials than I have. I know that. But I have seen God's faithfulness. And one of the nice things, um, and we just had this conversation about, you know, what's the nice thing about being older? Ain't a lot to bank on. I can look back and see how faithful God has been. And so sometimes it's good to grab somebody with gray hair and say, Hey, tell me about God's faithfulness in your life. Um, but it's, it's by God's word. So I just, I want to encourage you to, to do those things and just ask God for his help as, as we walk through this journey together. So let me pray, and then you guys have a discussion group. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that though it may feel like things are shaking out of control, you are there, you are good, you are sovereign and holy, and you love us and you care for us. We can cast our cares upon you, and you care for us. For those who are yours, this hard day here on earth is as bad as it will ever get. We have eternity with you to look forward to, and we praise you for that. Lord, thank you. I just pray for these ladies here. I just pray that um, you will just be with them as as they go their way and as they shepherd their hearts throughout the day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.